Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sam Roberts, I'm the editor-in-chief of PC Gamer and I'm joined by... Joe Donnelly, staff writer. Philip Award, deputy editor. Why did I make people read out their roles? That was just that just kind of uh, distracted everyone. I never normally do that. I'm so, the uh... pip-in-chief. <laughs> decided to give myself a different That's... title. Okay, fair enough. I think you can do that. I'll have that drawn. the paperwork for that drawn up on Monday. Thanks. Um, we're about to talk about uh, PC games, which is that thing that we do. Uh, there's a variety of PC games this week that you can play on your personal computer, which include Football Manager 2018, which Joe has been playing. We can definitely talk about that, right, Joe? Yeah, the um, the beta started. Um, so everyone, everyone can play that, right? Yeah, as long as you um, pre-purchase, if you're into that. But yeah, as long as you're willing to do that, you can play it just now. Lovely. The lawyers can't have us on that, which is what I like to hear. <laughs> and um, you've also been playing, uh, oh, I've completely forgotten, South Park, The Stick of Truth you've been playing. No, wait, The Fractured Butthole. Yeah, I've only just scratched the surface and Destiny 2 because then I got code for FM and that's taken up all my time as the same. Right, well, we've talked about yeah. South Park before on the podcast, so we'll focus on FM and the game you just mentioned, Destiny 2, um, which <laughs> Pip has also been playing. Um, and we haven't discussed that on the podcast in much depth yet, beyond what we uh, knew about it from like the um, console announcements and stuff, and the, the fact that we played a load of it in the past on PS4. Uh, so yes, uh, let's start with Destiny 2 then. Um, so that's come to PC, that came to PC last week. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to this, it's probably two weeks ago because it's still up on Monday. But uh, yeah, this it's finally launched on PC. It's the the version released is the most elaborate one yet of this uh, like FPS MMO. It's kind of a slightly hard to categorise, but that's probably the closest uh, and easiest way to describe it. Um, Joe, are you much of a Destiny guy? No, I'm completely bounced off the first one. Um, tried it a couple of times and then started Destiny 2 on PS4 when it came out. And then didn't really get into it and thought, I'll just wait for the PC one. Because it's going to be really big on PC already. It's pretty big on PC. Um, and I've only just played the kind of introductory segment where you first get to the, the first hub. Um, and I did the same amount for on the PlayStation and yeah I mean it's it's really good I'm looking forward to spending some more time with it okay so you got quite a way to go with that one then yeah okay to go. well then I'll talk to someone who's played more of it Joe yeah. and therefore is more useful to this podcast <laughs> Philip War you played more Destiny 2 than that right hi <laughs> <laughs> Um, I probably have, although um, my playthrough has stuttered uh, a little because there was a big Dota update and there was the League of Legends World Championships, which inspired me to go back to that. And uh, The Sims 4 happened and, you know, all those kinds of things that have... Rocket League, <laughs> I booted that up for some reason. Oh, really? How did you find Overwatch. that? <laughs> um, Rocket League was interesting. Like I remembered why I enjoy it, but I didn't stick with it beyond a game to check out the Halloweeny kind of stuff. Yeah, the so, ha- the Halloweeny stuff is quite nice, isn't it? Sticking a witch's hat on your car, etc. Well, I kind of decided to stick with my um, sort of goth sombrero look from from yesteryear. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's a good look. I was. It was one of those rare moments where you know when you boot up and you you kind of don't remember what you did to your character last time, or your avatar or drivatar, I guess as would be here. Yes. Um, and it was magnificent, and it has like a heart glowing, you know, antenna and all kinds of. It looks ridiculous. I so anytime <laughs> I tried to change my car in Rocket League, something in my brain just kicked in and went, why are you trying so hard, Samuel? If you're so comfortable with who you are, why must you express it via the medium of a car? <laughs> and that's why I still drive a plain buggy around <laughs> with the same wow. trail as always. <laughs> that's the next level nonsense happening right there. <laughs> I, um, but yeah, like I... What I have played of Destiny, I've been really enjoying, but I haven't felt the need that I did previously to get super up to speed immediately and be on time for all of the raids and things like that. So it's actually been quite nice just pottering and doing my own thing, and, mm. you know, dropping into public events and, you know, just sort of getting distracted by things and wandering off and, and doing, you know, little side missions or just chewing away at content (laughs) destiny's mature enough now that if you ever wanted to do um the raid which just launched on pc right as well it was on wednesday i think yeah like um there's always a bunch of people who will play that with you but you don't have to be on their time which is nice i find that's gotten better as the longer that destiny's existed so i think it depends because um certainly in the first year there was something wonderful about um being able to just 
figure it out that first time and not have anybody in your party know anything going into it. And, right. You know, just bang your head against puzzles for an entire evening and things like that. But um, and so there is there is certainly something in being timely or you know because otherwise it just becomes really hard to find people that haven't played that stuff if they're in any way into the game or who haven't sort of perfected it almost and will get really fed up with you not knowing all of the timings or not having quite the right gear or wanting to sort of poke around at things that they've already mined out so I think that there is something to be said for that but at the moment I think a lot of people I know are in that same boat of having been distracted by things for sure like I know Andy was enjoying Destiny but then got distracted by Assassin's Creed yeah yeah um I know that Phil and I both sort of got not distracted because it's work but you know it was deadline the day that the raid came out so things like that so it's actually quite nice that i know that there's still a pool of people who haven't managed to get their raid nonsense together yeah ask me i could never really um decide whether i was going to play the ps4 version or the pc version and i still haven't um but i i don't know it depends what more people gravitate towards and i imagine that people still stick with ps4 at this point for, for most of the people i know um but then with maybe two or three exceptions like you say andy does not play it before on and uh, Joe, you, I assume you're playing on PC. So. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that was very much the same. Football managers has really distracted me from playing. Um, but I mean, as someone who knows it better, Pip, how quickly could I get up to raid level, um, having hardly scratched the surface? I think it's not too difficult. Um, I think that uh, Tom Senior was saying that the uh, the main sort of story campaign spits you out at like level a hundred ish, and then it's playing crucible it's playing you know all of those sort of repeat missions um and sort of working out which playlists you enjoy to then get your gear up to what 260 i think it is for the raid so um and this is again this is just going by his review i think he was saying there's kind of 30 hours ish worth of stuff to do and that's sort of including all of this end game bits and pieces so i I would say it probably wouldn't take too long, but it's more about like whether the the pressure of trying to get somewhere ruins it or yeah. is useful. Or I, I guess it's it's definitely a game where I found that I had to sometimes reorient my thinking to make it work for me. Otherwise, you know, you'd sort of feel like you were you were having to play a bunch of Crucible or having to do a bunch of nightfall strikes and things just to to get to the point where you could do the thing that you actually wanted to do. So it's, yeah, finding ways to, to make it not a chore, I mm. guess. Mm, okay, well, we'll come back to Destiny 2 then, where we've um, we've all played a few more hours of it and uh, yeah. are a bit more invested in it. And maybe, maybe we could try and get Tom on as well, because yes. I know that he obviously had opinions about the end game and stuff, and that's where people will obviously end up. So Yeah, he wrote our review, and yeah. he, which you can read on PCGamer.com. And uh, yeah, yeah. Phil's been playing a lot of um, the Crucible stuff on PS4 as well, so be keen yeah. to know what he makes the PC version. Uh, in the meantime, then, uh, Pip, you've been playing uh, a game called Dark Train, right? I have. Yes, so please explain to me what this is and why <laughs> it is cool or not cool. <laughs> Are you sure it's not a MOBA hero? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pip uh, mentioned Dark Train earlier, and I thought it was either like an Overwatch character or a Dota character <laughs> that was just like a mean train, <laughs> a train that's not very nice. That does sound like something they would do in those games, right? Well, this is the thing. It actually ended up not being too far off the mark because Dota released a hero called Dark Willow this week. So, is that know. just a tree that's mean? So it's it's one of the sort of uh, fae creatures that is you know kind of evil but quite you know chipper about it. You know that kind of thing lays down bramble mazes and can sort of fade out of existence for a moment you know that kind of thing that sounds like what i remember of dota from my 20 or so hours playing it <laughs> but so yeah dark train um is something that i've meant to play for a while um and hadn't managed to get around to it until today actually and it caught my attention because it's a papercraft type game it's a puzzler um and the atmosphere of it the the sort of the aesthetic it reminded me a bit of maybe somewhere between year walk and um machinarium so there's you know the sort of point and clickiness and this sort of slightly uh not gothic but like quite dark and quite sort of 
handcrafted, obviously because of the paper craft side of things, um, aesthetic. Um, and it's it, it's one of those things that kind of skirts towards being so good and then keeps just missing it a bit because it's not very good at leading you to what you need to do next and it's also not very good at pointing out when you're finished with a thing so I'm starting to get to grips a bit better with the ways that it might signal those things but for example you play as this kind of uh, paper craft m metallic squid creature that is flying around this world and it's you control it using your mouse and so in one of the things you uh, you are moving it her around and you one of the things that you do is you kind of hover over the stars in the sky and it traces out a constellation but it took me a while to notice that that was what it was doing because it's quite hard to sort of pick up on some of the visual feedback and then once it had done that a comet comes down and like knocks I think a birdhouse out of a tree and then there's you know some glowing things and I couldn't figure out what to do with that and at that point I think I needed to go out and do something else and then come back to it later which I have now done but there was nothing really in the game that that told me I was done or that I could move on and I'd been stung by an earlier thing where I thought I was done went out of that part of the level through like a little pipe and then it hadn't saved any of my progress because I hadn't quite finished what I was supposed to do in that bit I'd only got halfway so mm. it's and and there are so many beautiful effects and there's so much kind of atmosphere and there's so it, it's such an odd lovely thing in so many ways and then just it continuously pulls you out by not managing to tell you what you need to know at a given moment so you can't ever quite fade into it you know and sort of sink into the experience you're always like hang on is that a thing do I need to like do I even need a walk through at this point I'm so frustrated like yeah so mm, I'm not it, it it isn't doing it for me and that's a sad thing because it's so beautiful and so odd mm, okay see I'm I'm I was sort of struggling to picture it until you said year walk and that kind of gave me a bit of an idea of yeah yeah um yeah. that's a shame i've not actually heard of it at all which uh i think speaks to my different taste to you or at least the things <laughs> i pay attention to like um, forwarding you my inbox <laughs> <laughs> how do you um how did you pick up on it um i can't remember how at first i think it you know it's it started to get attention in various indie circles so mm. you know i think it was like an indicate selection and it was you know it just started popping up in in conversations and so i think if you end up on enough of those uh websites that that specialize more in indie games or if you sort of start following those conversations on twitter you start seeing more of those kinds of games it's a you know essentially just a feedback loop that you know one thing leads to another or you start you know following a hashtag and then someone said oh that reminds me of this and then you find out about that thing and then you follow up on what they're doing now and it's yeah like you, you end up sort of it, once you're in that web of connections it's easy to find more of them right yeah but if you don't habitually do that it can be just this like whole zone of gaming that doesn't quite like ping your radar for ages like until something gets massively critically acclaimed or something yeah yeah, yeah. that's interesting mm. okay well clearly a blind spot for me and many of the other people who uh <laughs> that's why we have an indie section that's very not. true <laughs> i think that's the thing with indies like not to not to rag on indies or this game in particular but um sometimes if something was just like tweaked ever so slightly it can change something from you know a disappointing game to a good game or a frustrating game to an intuitive game and it sounds like you know this is a gorgeous game maybe just needs like there's something else yeah. to, to touch over the line i wonder if they'll do anything about that because i think that has been feedback that i've seen from a number of different people it isn't just me not gelling with it it seems to be the universal criticism in as far as I've seen people writing about it has been oh it's so lovely I really want it to be mm -hmm. like to to find that balance of like showing you what to do but not being you know heavy-handed and then it'll be you know this amazing you know like flow through one would assume but yeah so 
although it does bring home the the work that people do when it does work if you see what i mean like, yeah, it's yeah. usually that's in, invisible and when you're faced with something that doesn't work it sometimes can be just really nice to make you reflect on the invisible work of everybody who has done these other games that have and that have been amazing and you just sort of thought well obviously it flows that is what a game is supposed to do <laughs> hmm. okay cool uh, sorry to hear that's not as good as it could be um <laughs> so joe you've been playing football manager 2018 I have, yes. uh, a very similar type of game obviously um heavy on papercraft as i understand it mm. yeah um but you uh you're a, a big <clears throat> football manager guy right and we've actually never had anyone on pc gamer while i've been here who likes or understands football i think tom senior is vaguely aware of football um <laughs> yeah we, but, we had a conversation in the office recently and you said that was the first time in your four years here that you've You've had a conversation about football? Uh, pretty much. I, I think <laughs> yeah. me and Tom might have had one conversation about, um, I think, uh, former Aston Villa goalkeeper Thomas Sorensen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because I went once went to an Aston Villa Sunderland game and we discussed that. That was pretty much the only time. Before I worked here, you mentioned the football player Pierre Van Hoydonk in the magazine for something, which I assume was some sort of in-joke because oh, it's a slightly uh, strange uh, name. He used to play for Celtic, my team, so it was, yeah. <laughs> isn't he like, uh, actually, no, I shouldn't say that, because um, but isn't he notoriously a bit of a prickly player, that guy? Um, yeah, he sort of was. I mean, he's, he's well-retired now. Yeah, um, yeah. I was that, I, admittedly, I thought the name was quite amusing, and that's yeah. why, why I use that particular name. Um, but also, like, um, he, I thought he just had an interesting career. Yeah. I actually don't remember why I put that in the magazine. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, uh, f- so Football Manager 2018, like, uh, you play these games every year. Yeah. Um, for people, I guess, who don't, who uh, who just think it's like a spreadsheet game or whatever, what is the kind of major innovation this year that's exciting or interesting? Yeah, I mean, every year they try and, um, Sports Interactive, try and introduce new things to make it fresh. I mean, there's parallels drawn between it and, FIFA and Call of Duty in the sense of, you know, it comes out annually and it's the incremental differences which can can make or break it. This year, it's pretty interesting. Um, they've revamped the scouting system and the injury system, which if you... That's interesting if you're into the game. Um, if you're maybe not so into football, but you are enough to play football manager, obviously if you're not into football, you're probably not going to play football manager. Um, but they've introduced the dynamic system, which is essentially how players are getting on in the dressing room or not and they can as long as you keep them on side you know you can keep a good atmosphere with the team and a good rapport um, but if you start to upset the key figures and there's a kind of hierarchy of influence within the team um, then the players can side with you or revolt against you um, and at the minute I'm, I'm testing the waters it's quite easy to kind of take advice from the rest of the backroom staff you know your coaches and and such like you can you can keep things kind of on an even keel and, and kind of ticking along but if you start to piss off the key players they can kind of start to show their frustration and stop playing well on the pitch and then if you bring them out of the team they start influencing other players so I'm just starting to, to crack that now having spent a good few hours with it um, which is quite interesting to see how that goes. Does something like that enhance the game or does it just make it more stressful when it's already quite stressful? Um, I suppose it's it's striving for that sense of realism um, yeah. so for example the, the dynamics in terms of the social groupings um, players that have been at a team for, for years and years tend to be the most influential because they've got a foothold they've been here for a long time mm. and you tend to find that players of the same nationality will kind of group up as well um, but what it's doing in the campaign that I'm playing just now is I've noticed that there's a few French players that are sticking together but they're now feeling a little isolated from the rest of the team and I suppose that is I mean it might not happen everywhere but it could happen in real life um, and if they're isolated then they might be performing you know not as well on the pitch and stuff so I mean yeah it definitely adds a level of stress but um, I've, I'm only just coming towards the end of the first season now I've been, I've been playing it quite a lot recently um, and it's now starting to become more and more important and I think that's going to continue and that's what it'll get interesting to see how you're able to balance everybody getting on or not hmm. um, Celtic my, my team yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't that um, make it really fucking easy uh, not not easy it makes it understand more um, so I'll be reviewing this for, for PC Gamer and um, I will at some point experiment with other teams for features I think down the line um, I'm going to try and get Scotland to a, a big tournament since I've not done so since 1998 ashamedly um, <laughs> but for, for the for the purpose of review um, I understand the team and I thought that that would make the dynamic system a bit more interesting because right, I, yeah. I kind of know um, I mean I don't know them personally but you already know who is friends within the team so I'm kind of messing about with it to see if I can make them fall out <laughs> because I'm an evil person that's interesting <laughs> I guess my, my suggestion was that, um, is it not is the level of challenge not reduced because just 
my understanding is that there's about um, three or four pe- uh, teams in Scotland that have like a reasonably sizable audience: Hearts, Hibs, Rangers, yep. the dreaded Rangers in your case, um, and obviously Celtic. But everyone else isn't everyone else like eleven dads and like a hut. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's a, an interesting way to describe. But um, you could probably get a job with the, the Scottish football Enjoy press. Your um, yeah, I mean to 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 oh, word well, yeah, well well. that slightly differently. Um, Celtic probably are the most prominent team in Scotland. I'm sure that's what that's what we're alluding to there. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, but they don't do so well in Europe. So um, my goal is to get them doing better in Europe, which is the goal in real life. Um, with real life things at the minute. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, I, this is my first playthrough. I couldn't go anywhere else. It's, it's yeah, my dad would follow me and never speak to me again. <laughs> well, the stakes are therefore much higher than I realised when uh, starting this frivolous conversation. Um, okay, well, it sounds like you're you're sort of enjoying that new system. Then. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Um, the, the injury system, um, which is introduced this year, I've been kind of dipping in and out of the Steam reviews so far, which is a dangerous a dangerous tactic. I know, but they're always um, so rational, Joe. Of course, um, and. <laughs> injuries within the football manager every year even back when it was championship manager years and years ago um, has always been um, the kind of bone of contention within within the community and it's frequency and the new system is designed to so basically like my, my thoughts so far on football manager is that they have added new things but they've also refined a lot of things that were there already and it's about making the things that were already there a bit more visible. Um, so the so the new the new medical centre is is where injuries are, are kind of kept and, and you can go in and mess around with your staff and make sure players are, are um, recovering properly and things like that. Um, it's designed to create less injuries so that you are more on top of how the team's doing. Um, there is still quite I mean, some players are getting injured a lot more than I would like which is you know, really really frustrating um, and I'm only coming to the end of the first season so I'm interested to see if I can keep going and see if I can get a better handle of that um, You could always buy a magic sponge Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, you, if, if the player who, <laughs> if the player who is injured is um, uh, friends with like someone else on the team um, can yeah. their friendship help them conquer the injury it could I suppose um, no, I mean you don't have to take that seriously I'm uh, you know I, I, yeah I'm, I'm um, it, it's not happened yet in my game um, and yeah. maybe I'll tinker with it and see maybe they'll fall out because a player will get injured and then his mate will jump in and, and play in his place and then friendship over magic yeah. sponge can't solve that I mean that's yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's like, no, do you know what? I haven't torn my shin bone because we're good friends, you and I. That yeah. sort of situation. Yeah. No, you don't have to pander to me. It's fine. Um, so <laughs> I've always thought about, um, I used to, I got quite deep into LMA manager back mm. in the day. And I've always thought about going into football manager, just seeing like what level at which I can kind of take it on. And, you yeah. know, because I, I do miss that kind of, the LMA games weren't particularly in depth, but just that, uh, that journey through a season is yeah. something you only really get in those games. You know, I don't, Ever never really thought the Master League um, in Pro Evo or um, FIFA's equivalent really gave you quite the same experience because yeah, it's that it's that different strategic way of playing it. As opposed yeah, I mean, to just, you know, I've, I've kind of always said this about football manager. I mean, if you're not into football, like I said earlier, you're probably not going to play football manager because you need to have like some interests you know, in, in football. If you are even slightly, I mean, it's a really good. I mean, people love Eve, for example, which is I mean, you know, looking over spreadsheets and data and stats and stuff and if you like football enough to show interest and I think there's a really good game there about you know managing a team and taking them from whatever level you want um take on one of the big teams take on one of the smaller teams and yeah I mean it's it's a lot more sophisticated than LMA manager ever was but um it's there's enough there to um I think to satisfy people who are big on stats and then people who are like yourself maybe want to join in and take it from there right yeah um, I'd say actually it was quite fun doing a pass the save file thing oh, so yeah, yeah. Um, when I worked at RPS uh, we had a thing where we tried to get Leicester to the top again yeah. like building on their previous success uh, I think I managed to just about avoid them getting relegated um, but what was quite nice was that Adam I think Adam or Alec maybe started and so I was sort of building off the back of at least one person who knew more about the game yeah, yeah. had set up mm-hmm. almost like a, a personality for the team and so I could like tap into that even though my, my actual football knowledge is back from like 95 to 98 
ish. Yeah, same here. Uh, Henrik Larsson still plays for Celtic, right, Joe? Um, no, he's now forty-two <laughs> or forty-three. He's uh, he's long retired. Um. So I still make Dennis Bergkamp not flying jokes, so it's oh, that is vintage. Wow. Um, but anyway, yeah. Round so about the time of Pierre Van Hooydonk, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's my year. But like, um, one of the things that I really liked and that I'd never understood having not played it like that one time of playing it taught me that the game actually seems to have not necessarily a sense of humor but once you've got that sense of a team's personality or your your sort of travails (laughs) with in relation to them like odd things happen that you can then take personally or sort of take enjoyment from or whatever like um i think we ended up, we were still in the Champions League for some reason, and so a bunch of our fans came to see us play in Paris, and as I was managing, our team performed so badly that my players actually refunded the cost of like the 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 people who'd come out to actually see them, and I was like, "Wow!" I can't oh see it. God. I can't see a real footballer doing that. That doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> no. Yes, they just enjoy their pile of money, surely. I think it was nine nil to Paris Saint Germain, <laughs> so I think that seemed like a reasonable response to be honest with you. With the but, the nine yeah. nil thing aside, um, isn't that basically what happened to Leicester after their winning season? Is it just all went to hell immediately and then... I mean it went back to normal arguably uh, like the the fairy tale season the unusual season was the was winning it and yeah. then it went back to yeah kind of mediocrity that's cool um, I, I, my, my mild concern is that the people um, listening to this who know about football are driven slightly mad by the two people who clearly don't <laughs> <laughs> and the one person who's politely putting up with them but Pip, Pip engaged with this much more than I did Look, so you know I've played at least Three hours of football manager. Hey, fair play, fair play. And it was fine-ish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that bloody Dennis Burkham. He doesn't fly, you know. He has to take a train everywhere. <laughs> doesn't even play anymore. Lazy <laughs> son. <laughs> I'm always horrified every time I like, watch something and see someone I recognise, but they're obviously a commentator at this point. Like, silver hair, like, nice shirt. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, like your Paul Mersons and your Matt Letiziers. Yeah, I was a big Paul Merson fan. Anyway, um, let's move on to a different game. Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, which I've been playing um, and have uh, reviewed for PC Gamer, which you may have read by now. That's on PCGamer.com. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I have I mostly enjoyed it. Not quite as much as other critics. I gave it 90, uh, 81%, but everyone else seemed to give it 9 out of 10s and such. I deliberately scored it slightly less than uh, The New Order because it felt a bit less fresh to me. Um, it has very much the same tone as The New Order, so uh, that kind of slight, that variance between really silly and uh deeply serious um that's a bit breakneck and not for everyone but um was probably the the thing that people remember the most about um uh, the new order minus the shotguns which were very good uh so yeah it's an interesting kind of framework for an fps and this time instead of being set in europe they've uh it's basically about trying to start an american revolution and taking america back from the nazis um and yeah it's uh I'd say it only that's it's a slightly superficial packaging for it because, uh, with the exception of one um, part of the game where you're exploring uh, the town of Galveston in Texas during like a Nazi rally, um, which is you know really chilling and kind of effective, um, you never really feel that much like you're in America. You're mostly just fighting through nondescript corridors. Um, killing Nazis uh, with you know a range of guns and the whole kind of America thing doesn't really. It's only really limited to the cutscenes, I would say, and your interactions with characters. Um, so that doesn't create too much of an effect. Largely, it just feels like a straightforward sequel to the first game. Um, it's much better than the Old Blood, though, the um, spin-off they did uh, set in Castle Wolfenstein. Uh, and yeah, it, it has some interesting twists and turns along the way, but it didn't. Yeah, it just didn't quite. Um, it didn't quite capture my imagination the way I thought it would, but I, I still enjoyed it. Um, someone asked me a question about it. Any any question like, at all? <clears throat> some oh, of the... sorry. That's all right. <laughs> After you, but... no, no. I was just I didn't have. Still a thinking of a Dennis Bell account. Just, yeah. <laughs> well... I wonder if you ever got over that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd moved on to Rude Hullet. <laughs> well, that's even further back. Jeez. If we're talking about uh, Faustino Esprilla, anyway, next. Harold Borsky. boy. Yeah, he was good. He was. Um, <laughs> I was not a fan of the hair, though. Anyway, carry on. No, I was going to say, um, like some of the, some of the. 
noise coming from social media and such has been comparing Wolfenstein to to real life and I've not played yet but I looked over your shoulder Sam and I sit next to each other in the office and oh, there was a lot of um, shooting um, robots and things like that and it didn't really in any way resemble real life um, yeah what's the script there well, that's basically like the the whole get Nazis out of America thing was like basically a marketing thing Wolfenstein still remains very much in its own universe um, where there are actual Nazis in uniform walking around as opposed to just you know racist on the internet uh, uh or whatever um so yeah it's 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 not quite that doesn't quite tally with the game but like i see why how that was an effective way of getting people's attention um yeah yeah uh so yeah there's not much of a story there like you say it's it's still it's still quite silly in a lot of ways so yeah you're doing melee attacks on robots and stuff like how serious you take it it will depend on your mileage um i definitely i definitely had some questions of taste playing this though like um there's like there are themes of racism and abuse in it that i i think are are a bit superficial and and not really explored with any depth and therefore i don't think their their inclusion is necessarily justified like i don't feel that strongly about that but it's it was definitely a thing i thought about like do you need this when it's not really serving much more purpose other than it's a way to get you from a to b with this character like um yeah so this they deep they they go a bit deeper into bj blaskovitz your protagonist like background um with his father who is this kind of abusive racist caricature and i don't i think because of that it doesn't really ring very true and doesn't have much value to the game so I was left kind of there was a, a few moments in the game where I was left thinking did that really add anything or was that there just to get people talking or to I don't know create a certain impression in the moment like it I definitely think they have their cake and eat it a bit with how gratuitous it is like it's so violent in places that you like I saw about this on Twitter this week with some other games journalists because it was a trailer for the last of us 2 this week a PlayStation game that was very violent um and the suggestion seemed to be that that one piece of marketing, the violence in that game, was the problem. And I would argue that there's a much larger problem with the way we've kind of just, we just accepted video game violence as the norm. And to say that that's like, to say that's like the first time that games have been marketed on, on violent content is disingenuous. Like that, you know, AAA games are built on it, basically. And like, you know, however you feel about that, that's that's the reality of it. And there are a few moments in it where I thought, okay, well, did you need to cut that character's head off and have it roll in front of me? Like, could you tell the? Do you need that to tell the story to elicit a response, or would killing that character, however, create that response? And there are a few moments like that in it. I'm not, I'm not squeamish at all, and like, uh, you know, I wasn't offended by it or anything. But it did, it did kind of make me think, like, well, are you really? I mean, sure, you're in this universe where there are these deeply cruel people, and you want to make that point, but are you also enjoying putting it on the screen? Because it feels like it a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's how I felt. And then I went back to shooting Nazis in the head with shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure what to make of it, really. I kind of came out of it not really knowing how I felt about a lot of it, which I, which I suppose is fine. Like, I wouldn't condemn any of it. But anytime I thought there was something a bit gratuitous, I thought, well, maybe the fact that this game is otherwise well-written and the story is well-told, maybe that's not a lone justification for how gratuitous it is at times. Like... Yeah, yeah. Do you think it matters if you're in control of the gratuitous violence? I don't think that's got any bearing on how it's received. Um, no, I don't. I don't think so because all of the moments I think of are like story beats, basically. Like you, it, you barely register the violence that you're committing in the game as you're playing. I only had a few moments where I stopped and looked at a pile of bloody Nazi bodies, and I was like, "Geez, that's you know, that's quite vivid." And then moving on, like again, I wasn't really, I didn't think about it for any longer than that. But it was the story beats where I thought a bit more about, well, did you need to do that necessarily? And like, you know, are you really being clever or subversive, or are you just enjoying what you're presenting? Like, you know, it's people compared the first game to Inglorious Bastards a lot of the time, or indeed Tarantino works generally, and there's probably an argument there that, you know, is he. Is he common? You know, is there a, is it commentary on violence generally, or is he just enjoying putting violence on the screen? And like, your mileage will vary as a player, um, how you respond to it. But yeah, yeah, a few moments in this where I, I thought, well, you didn't have to do that, did you? But you did anyway. 
Um, and so, yeah, players will react to it differently. Um, but I think a bigger problem is that the game has a, a bit of a dip in the last two levels, and it it does sort of it has a very the last level is quite bad, I think, with um, a pretty disappointing boss fight against two massive robots that took me ages and I didn't enjoy at all, and that some people just ended up running past because they found it so frustrating. So. Yeah, I think um, the game has other issues too, but like, yeah, it's otherwise otherwise it's a pretty it's a it's a pretty great sequel to the first game if you like the way the guns feel and you know being in that universe and enjoying that tonal variance, which most of the time I do I do enjoy. There's only a few moments where I stop to really think about it, but yeah, yeah. Pip, you're like going to say something? No, it's more that I. It's one of those things where I'd like to. I'd like to play it myself to figure out what I think because there's been sufficient sort of conflicting opinions from people that I respect and whose opinions like matter to me about other things. And so I'd like to maybe give it a go, but sort of from the outside, one of the problems for me is that I think, wasn't it at first they were making it clear that the game was created without the current situation in mind the current yeah. political climate in mind and then at some point that seemed to switch to a kind of opportunistic marketing and I think that even though the game itself might sort of only have this tangential relationship with that and that you know the the soldiers are sort of these German Nazi caricatures rather than you know it being a home a comment on homegrown racism mm. um like as soon as you have your marketing department sign off on a bunch of things that draw those parallels deliberately you then have to answer for the game's shortcomings in commenting on those yeah and so i think that muddies the waters because the game wasn't conceived in that atmosphere right and but if it's being marketed that way then i think you absolutely get to consider it that way and it can fall short um and the other thing is that i'm super wary of games and other media that just sort of uses forms of abuse as a shorthand for this person is bad and yeah. i think that that can be an incredibly easy lazy trap yeah not everyone agrees with me on that some people um evan wrote about it uh and he said he found some of that he found the the way your background was explored quite effective mm. um which is where most of that content lives in the game um but i i didn't i didn't i felt like I'd seen all of it before in other media and used in a very similar way, even if Wolfenstein has its own slightly odd tonal spin on it because it jumps yeah. around so much between funny and serious. I've seen other people sort of maybe uh, trying to address the idea of like kind of abuse and then empowerment maybe later on or like how you respond to abuse. But I think that maybe the way that the game presents it is... A problem because it doesn't give people who have experienced that in real life the warnings needed to either opt in or opt out maybe yeah i don't think it does so give you a content warning no that kind of stuff is maybe a thing that positions the game and obviously i don't know anyone on the development team so i don't know if this is true what kind of conversations happen behind the scenes but when stuff like that happens or is presented in that way it implies that it comes from the position of not being in that boat yourself, right? That you didn't think to include that stuff or mm -hmm. that it wasn't deemed important or that, you know, like it, it kind of comes from a position almost of privilege that like, oh, that wasn't a conversation that we had to engage in or, you know, whatever else. And like I say, I might be completely wrong. It might be that they had, you know, arguments about that behind the scenes or whatever, but the fact that it has ended up as just a kind of like spectacle maybe. I think they they were sincere in their attempt to tackle those mm. themes. Like they definitely don't present them in a in a frivolous way. It's just that they you don't, they don't they don't discuss them long enough for them to feel like anything but a superficial touch. I think that's my I think problem. You with can it. be sincere, and I think that you can have like the right sort of um, the right intention. Yeah, yeah. Without it necessarily coming off in execution in all of the right ways. Mm. So I think it's more that, but like I say, it's it's the sort of thing that I'd maybe like to play just to figure out where I sit with it and also whether, even if I, I hate it, I'd like to kind of know why. Yeah. It's weird. I don't want to sort of like give the impression that it, it 
it really badly taints the game because it's about 10 minutes of the running time out yeah. of like 10 to 14 hours but you know it's, it sticks with you enough that uh, you know enough that i wanted to comment on it in the review mm. and enough that i'm willing to talk about it now you know um yeah. but yeah which is it's weird that's the weird thing with writing a, a kind of product review because you talk about something like that then you're back to saying like oh but you know it has more open world it has more open levels this time and the balance between stealth and gunplay is x y and z like it's a strange game to discuss in that way. Um, yeah. You yeah. talk about like abuses of power in one paragraph and then it's about corridor shooters in yeah. another. Like it kind mm, of, yeah. you have to cover all I of that ground. Yeah, I think the like... Tarantino example in films is, is a good one because like AAA games, as you say, a lot of them are driven by violence. Mm. Um, and speaking a bit about David Cage this week and how at that level there aren't many games trying to explore. I mean, I, I don't particularly, I'm not particularly fond of his games, but unlike cinema like not every big um movie is about violence where his games are so it's hard to it's hard to single out you know the last of us trailer or wolfenstein and say like this is worse than the other kind of thing yeah that's kind of how i felt yeah. about it it was more like um uh, in the case of wolfenstein it was like uh, sorry in the case of the last of us it was like well every game is violent in the case of the david cage thing though people were talking more about abuse which i guess is rarely domestic abuse is which is mm. much is a much rarer subject to come across in games so that's you know that's its own uh, conversation obviously people have very strong views on Absolutely. that and like i you know i personally don't really want to play his version of that um because i just think it, it will it'll be subject to all the problems that his his other games are yeah. you know how are but like yeah, in the case of violence, I should point out that I'm not like I absolutely play a ton of violent games. Um, it, it was more my thing of I, yeah, I think that like I don't know, it's just weird to have that conversation mm. when we seem there seemed to be some strange deal that we made that we have just accepted that games are violent as critics and that we we go on regardless. And like I, you know, maybe not everyone feels that way, but largely there's no stigma to violent games. Um, in the way they are discussed by critics, right? So, as a maybe as like a last thing for Wolfenstein for now, like something that I'm interested in is because of the the way that some aspects of the game have dominated the coverage, mm. like, and again, it's it's happened in our discussion here because those are kind of like complicated questions that that need time to unpick them. Mm. But if you wanted somebody to sort of have an overview of what the experience of the game actually is, yeah. like, are there, like, I don't know, like, three adjectives that would, like, recontextualise that, you know? Like, because obviously these conversations are important, but, like, the actual sense of the game maybe gets lost underneath them. Yeah, so I, I it's, it, it's a romp, like the first game. In a lot of ways, it's, you know, it's about running through these corridors and shooting nazis and it's cathartic and the settings are are often lavish and um the encounters are exciting the levels are i think very well designed the way that they're they let they're laid out some of the um multi uh story kind of like stealth levels a, a bit deeper into the game are so uh, so cleverly laid out it's so tense to move around that it's you know it reaches kind of metal gear solid levels of uh, tension and excitement as you you know look to basically throw a like you know hatchet an enemy to death or whatever and uh before they can ring the alarm and that's the kind of game it is really like the the other stuff is what i'm talking about there with violent incredibly violent story content and abuse probably a total of 30 minutes of of content in the game that's maybe contentious in that way um yeah, so like, yeah, that's that's me trying to recontextualize it. It's a sequel to the first game. It's there's no doubting that. It's 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 there's nothing. Yeah, it's it just that I think disproportionately the conversation becomes about those moments because that's what the developers are trying to draw your attention towards. It's kind of kind of inevitable, really. Um, if anything, there there's a lack of um, beats in in a level where you really kind of remember this particular firefight or this particular moment you see this because you know the you're fighting the same enemies over and over again um and the setting changes but not radically in the middle of a level um so yeah it's 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 another wolfenstein game it just it just it thematically stretches itself a bit too far i think it's like 
it's i'm not saying that like, wolfenstein shouldn't be able to explore those kind of subjects but they should just give them a bit more time and have something to say about them and not just mm. drop them in there that's kind of how i felt yeah. Cool. um yeah okay cool um all right i'll move on to some reader questions then uh, uh got quite serious didn't it <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do, I do very much like it, but I, I've actually been looking at the um, the Steam reviews um, for Wolfenstein Two, and people have kind of turned against it. A lot of people mm-hmm. hate that you can finish it in about ten hours, but pretty certain the first one was like that too. It took me fourteen hours, which I think is pretty good for a, a campaign, um, you like know, single player FPS. Yeah, I think that's fine, but um, I don't. I think people are just becoming impossible to please now, no matter what. Like, it's not six an... to ten hours. That's a decent game, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I guess some people disagree, but hey. Um, okay, cool. Uh, this is from Deep Six on Discord. Uh, thank you for your question. While reading the sleuths of unnecessarily harsh 0 out of 10 reviews on Metacritic, I had an idea. Somehow everyone should only be able to review one zero, sorry, reward one zero review in their entire life. So, question for the panel. If you could only reward one perfect zero of all the games you've ever played, what game would it be for? Padapa the Rapper. It's not very good, is it? No. <laughs> There's no question that's... Absolutely, the worst game I've ever played. The most disappointing <laughs> game I've ever played. I get caught up in the hype at what twelve, whatever it was, and um, talk about games and, and the duration. I finished it in like I don't know a few hours, and and, and took it back <laughs> the day after I got it from the shop and traded it in for Sui Coden, the JRPG. Um, was that which a went went, yeah, It became one of my favourite games. So oh, I nice. suppose I owe that to Parappa the Rapper inadvertently. <laughs> but um, but you also owe him the zero. That yeah. rapping puppy can have a yeah. bloody zero out Absolutely. of ten. Absolutely. Um, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I I think there's still some things to enjoy about no, Parappa. No, okay. Not. All right. I guess it's just it has the sort of very specific tone that I think a lot of people would just yeah, bounce off. It was of, before right? the likes of Guitar Hero and, and other like rhythm games, which became really popular, which I personally don't like. Um, I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't this style of game. Um, you can finish and, it in about an hour as well, can't you? Yeah, and I, I didn't care for the whimsical characters and, and <laughs> the Onion Karate uh, Master. Yeah. Yeah, kick, punch, chop, and all that. Yeah, nah. How about you, Pip? I don't think I've got a zero. Like, and that, you know, that's not because I'm a particularly nice person. It's just because, you know, if something looks absolutely dreadful, unless I absolutely have to cover it for work, then I wouldn't spend my time on it out of choice. And so I think, you know, like, even, even things that really, really didn't work and, you know, really rubbed me up the wrong way, um... You know, they're still, to take the PC Gamer, like, review score, you know, uh, guidelines in mind, they're still only about 30%-ish rather than, you know, zero-ish. The other thing is, I mean, I think this is maybe the point that uh, the person was making with the the, the, uh, restriction is that I wouldn't want to waste my zero. <laughs> like, I don't I don't want to be, like, throwing that thing at, I don't know, Battleborn or something, and then finding Battleborn two times. <laughs> you know, you're going, wait, what? No! <laughs> Can I have that back? <laughs> I think that's what one of the few do? certainties in life, that, that there will never be another Battleborn. <laughs> it sounds like they that's gone. So, But I see a point, you know. There'll be another, there'll be another like, uh, generic MOBA hero shooter thing that you can... Give a zero to. I'm sure that will happen. <laughs> there was a put up and there up a two. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should be able to talk to the Reaper about this. You know. Yeah, like, sure. I, I I want to award it when the end actually comes. Okay. And like, look, take a take the long view and not not worry about this zero game and turning up the second I've thrown it away on something else. A <laughs> little bit of insight into your views on the afterlife, there, Pip. Um, okay, so for. <laughs> For me, I'd struggle. I mean, I've given out a lot of threes, like Pip says. I gave, when I was on um, X360 Magazine, I gave the Hannah Montana game a three. Um, although I found the um, the concept, I had I'd spent most of the time reading Wikipedia trying to get my head around the concept of, okay, right, so she is a girl pretending to be another girl, but one of the pretend girls is her, her dad, is her real dad, the actress's real dad. That took me about... I don't know, maybe an hour or two to properly pass. How long did you spend on Billy Ray Cyrus's Wikipedia page? <laughs> it was a lot. It was a, a little bit of like, what the hell? Are people watching this must be so confused. Um, I mean, there's three different personas. There's Miley Cyrus, the real person, Hannah Montana, and then isn't there another one in in the show? So Hannah Montana is her pop star persona, isn't it? Yes. And then there's um, there's her. And then there's Miley Cyrus. Did you know that her her real name isn't Miley Cyrus? What is it? It's Destiny. Okay. 
but I think they called her Miley because she was such a smiley baby. Oh, okay, right. Well, you know, that's not Why how. Why are you not like <laughs> delighted by this fact? Well, that's just because like, that's like a Snow White, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs naming convention. It's like, well, I'm just going to name you after the adjective that you are. And it's, oh, it's, it's grumpy the baby. Name into the mix, which is already quite confusing for Sam. <laughs> it but does, just, yeah. You know, I thought that I would help you out by adding a fourth person to the mix. <laughs> so the show. So my point is that in in Hannah Montana, like the character she plays that isn't Hannah Montana is also called Miley Cyrus. But then there's a real Miley Cyrus. I don't know. I didn't. I I don't watch Hannah well, no, Montana. This is, what, I, this is all just stuff. I'm that just I've trying to explain. In, like pop culture osmosis. I'm just trying to explain why I put a few hours into trying to understand this because I had I to write see. about it for Do the game. Do you think that perhaps you weren't the target audience at this point? I was, but um, <laughs> this was back when Simon Miller, our editor, was insisting that we had to review every game, and then I think I managed to talk him down from it after I gave Night at the Museum two like a two out of ten and this a three out of ten i was like so, no let's just review mass effect and... so what happens in the <laughs> hannah montana game what do you have to do do you have to manage her double life or are you all i really remember is that you go horse riding and then uh she puts on a blonde wig and then maybe there's some singing and dancing so it's a zelda <laughs> <laughs> which one of which zelda is that i've not played majora's mask maybe that's what happens in that um but yeah so that's uh yeah, maybe, but then I, I could be more controversial and just give The Vanishing of Ethan Carter a zero, a game that I hated. Um, yeah, okay, I'll just say that instead. Hannah, Hannah can, Montana can have a three. But like Pip says, though, I want to save that zero for that really special game that probably, you know, ruins my good time. Um, okay, next question from Knighthood. Um, question for the eventual pod. Bit of a uh, bit of salt there. Fair enough. We are we have been a bit, bit of slow. That's my fault. How much is too much when it comes to cutscenes? The new Wolfenstein has so many that it feels like they were the main focus for the devs. Plus, are video cutscenes or Half Life Two style in-game cutscenes preferable? Um, I think cutscenes generally fell out of fashion a little bit, didn't they? Um, I mean, it depends on the game, doesn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, Metal Gear Solid Four, for example, was ridiculous with cutscenes, but I didn't hate it. You would hate it now, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> that's what I. That's where I, I was a real tipping point. I think um, yeah. Bioshock releasing, and then that coming out a few months later was when people basically tried to do more with that environmental storytelling stuff. What I basically mean is endless fucking audiobooks, audiobooks, audio logs. <laughs> <laughs> they just find Pride and Prejudice read by <laughs> I don't know um, a bloke from Neighbours and just listen to it for nine hours while playing Homefront. I, I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Neighbours. <laughs> Lou, maybe the guy who played Lou. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Tom Oliver, maybe? Is that his name? Anyway. Yeah, I think so. But you see my point, like, you know... <laughs> his real name's Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of games I've played recently where there were a lot of cutscenes, like... It's Wolfenstein? Was that what the... Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, there were a fair few in that, but because I was, I had to play fourteen hours of the game mm. in a day, I was quite relieved to not have to play for about ten minutes. So I could just, you know, re-moisten my eyeballs for a, f- a few seconds. Um, and I didn't find them that egregious in that game, to be honest. And uh, they're they're mostly well written and quite fun, so that's all right. But yeah, I don't know. They, I don't, I don't feel like I play as many games that have cutscenes these days. We um, need FMV back. <laughs> I reckon. Yeah. Okay. Like properly, you know, just film some dude. Film Tim Curry. I don't mind. Yeah. Come on. Film tar- Tim Curry at like 800 by 600 resolution and yes. blow it up, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know, uh, I, I, I'm I into the idea of more kind of FMV style games. Like Her story was obviously a very good kind of reformatting of that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I suppose I prefer in-game ones but then often the only interactions you're really doing are like following a character around or looking around while they're moving for you and or doing squat thrusts on their bed or jumping up and down what what games are you referring to there well mostly just anything that like plays out it's not really a cutscene, but like you know anything that has like a scripted moment but that i'm I've still yeah. got some level of control over my character so you know when it locks you in place but you can maybe still bob up and down or like aim down your sights at the mm. person who's talking at you or you know whatever else so they're not really what's being asked here to be honest though yeah yeah <laughs> just drifted off topic I guess a, it's I guess it's a binary question which do you prefer um, Pip which do you prefer in game or out of game Um, I prefer Depends on the game. Yeah. That's not helpful, is it? 
Oh, that's all right. We'll just try Joe instead. How about you, Joe? <laughs> I'm probably the same, but for the purpose of giving an answer, probably in game now, as you say. Mm, like, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if there was a new Metal Gear and it had loads and it had Kojima and stuff. I would yeah, be happy with that. Maybe out of game <laughs> for me then to bring some balance to the universe, but also because it kind of signposts more to me that this is a thing that I can't interact with and. I am maybe more okay with that than if it's an in-game thing where I'm still desperately hammering buttons to be like, oh, damn. Yeah, I think what I find there is that it's mainly the um, the techniques of in-game that I find frustrating um, as opposed to yeah. the idea of it generally. I mean, it's usually like explosion, you fall over, blurry sights, I have an assault rifle, now I'm running forwards. Like That sort of nonsense, I guess, you know, everyone did that yeah, from about 2007 to 2000 present day basically um so yeah yeah okay i uh I, I probably would lean slightly more towards that one too all right next question um do you uh do or have you ever experienced fatigue with video games and how do you combat it slash not let it get in the way of doing your jobs that's from dem skelly bones um i see i i personally don't really mind it because it's a very privileged position to be able to write about games and if I get burned out by them, then in my spare time, I just won't play them for a while. I haven't really played much after Wolfenstein 2 because 14 hours of that in a day gave me a massive headache. All I wanted to do after that was just drink craft beer while looking at my TV sideways uh, for five hours a night. And that's what I've been doing. And I feel great. Didn't you stare at a wall for half an hour as well? Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get sort of a migraine and be like, well, I did just play a computer game during my um, working days. So it's not that bad. How about you, Joe? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as you know, I've, I've done a number of jobs before doing this, so this, see, this, it's hard to believe that it's a job at times. Um, I think, I mean, if ever anyone gets burnt out, returning to games that you really enjoy, the kind of comfort games and stuff like mm. that, certainly helps. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it would be, it wouldn't be right to say that. Yeah, we get fed up doing this and and getting burned out. Would uh, I don't know. I think it's hard when this is your job. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Joe's always keen to tell us that he used to, you know, be a plumber uh, or work in a pub in Glasgow where people would shit themselves. Um, and they uh, there was a three shit rule for them being barred, um, which was, you know, like, uh, it kind of gives us weaves these sort of dystopian tales to make us feel grateful for the lives that we have. Yeah. It's like a video game life system. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's basically Mario, but recontextualised. Well, how about you, Pip? Uh, I, I think I do burn out on video games um, and I'm also sort of reluctant to do that like it is a privileged job but at the same time it is a job and like I, I think that a lot of bad can come of persuading people that they're really lucky to do what they do mm, yeah. sort of no downsides um, but that's kind of maybe a separate or slightly tangential thing um, but what I've found is that if I'm frustrated with a particular thing or a particular strand of gaming one of the nice things is that it's such a broad industry nowadays you can often switch to a different thing entirely and it feels very different kind of like a palette cleanser or um and the other thing is is that you can write features about different aspects of things so it's not necessarily about playing things all the time sometimes it might be that someone's come up with a really interesting sounding system or they've you know been working on an amazing art style or they have something that they're doing that's fascinating around maybe building a more healthy community or sort of discouraging people from you know online abuse and things like that so you can also just talk to other people about what they do and why they do it and why they are excited by their own projects and i think that can be really awesome in sort of re-energizing yourself is to to sort of almost piggyback off other people's enthusiasms because it's I, I just find it amazing talking to people about something that they love yeah. you know that's awesome you see it through their eyes for a while yeah yeah my um uh, my best friend works for a craft beer company and he used to work behind a bar and he feels like you can tell he loves being part of that community which is basically just about like a million men with beards who make like beer in a shed and then give it a name like um, 
I don't know, like um, Ethel's Rasmataz, um, Amber pa- Amber Ale or whatever, and then you know um, put a fancy label on it and then and then sell it. But like he he is so invested in the culture of that that it's nice to step outside of games and just hear hear why that gives him such a buzz. You know, touring all these different places and showing off his beer and stuff. Yeah, see, so, yeah, I totally get that. I agree with you, Joe, as well on um, comfort games. Like returning to old favorites, we'll we'll definitely do that. Yeah cool okay next question um i've been disappointed by the industry slide away from contained narrative action games ceas comments re closure visceral do you think there was any hope for this market segment being filled by indie devs can you recommend any, any gems i might i may have missed cheers rich nutter see i like i don't really know I mean, this has been talked about so much over the last few weeks i'm not sure i actually have any sort anything left in the tank to really offer on it other than i don't think it's really worth worrying about those games going away until they've actually gone away, and right now they haven't. So, yeah, I think I'm the same. Yeah, but in, as for indie games filling that gap, they kind of indie games have plugged a lot of gaps in my interests in games um, for the last five or six years, and I'm totally, I'm totally happy with that. You know, the the range of games and um, the different tones of those games and subject matters like that, you know that fills an essential purpose in my gaming life already like i don't think um, they need to strive to fill the gap personally yeah and also i think it kind of depends what you mean by indie in a lot of ways as well and you know also the the studio sites that we're talking because obviously at some point if you're saying if you're essentially asking could a medium-sized technically independent studio fill you know to fulfill that role like there are a whole bunch of them that do and if you're asking whether you know a single person studio could fulfill that role it would be like maybe they can but you'd maybe need to take a hit on terms in terms of the polish you know yeah. or like in terms of the time scale that yeah. they could work within that mm. kind of thing so i think it depends ultimately what you're looking for because if you're essentially looking for a, a crafted experience that perhaps would take one person 15 years and would take a 40 person studio a few years mm. then you know there's there's different uh, yeah yeah <laughs> how about you joe yeah i mean like you like you said I'm, <clears throat> i don't think i've got anything new to bring to to the table with this one um when you, you spoke about the past few years and the amount of indie games that have come through since probably about 2013, like the past four years, has really um, filled a lot of gaps for me. Um, kind of strange slightly from the question, what you were saying before, Pip, about like people being passionate about projects and, and your friend as well, Sam. Um, I think, no disrespect to the people working at AAAs, but when you get indie developers who are coming through with you know real passion and stuff from our side of the fence, like, I think that's one of the best bits of the job, like to be speaking to people who um, yeah, just are following their passion and, and bringing out independent games, knowing exactly what they want to do and yeah, being able to do it. Um, Finch is a really good yeah, like, yeah. example of just you know a studio doing some really interesting things. It's a you know it's a few hours worth of linear single player experience, but it's it's like an anthology almost. Yeah. It's this beautiful, amazing, su- surprising thing that I would advise people to go play if they haven't, and especially if they don't know anything about it. It's kind of a delight. Um, but yeah, that's. That fits within, I think, the confines of the question. Yeah. Yeah. And again, they're sort of, they were really interesting to talk to as well. Like the studio lead was sort of just really generous with his time when I spoke to him. And you you spoke to him about the, I forget the name of the character now, but the the fish factory. the, yeah, oh, yeah. what's his name actually? Oh, that's completely gone out of my head. But that was, uh, yeah, like, I, I don't want to talk about it too much because spoilers, but like, it was it, the, the passion that they had for that work and for making those things work was amazing. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, yeah, that feeds into what you're saying. And yeah. 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 And like, all playing something for me, for me, playing something like um, the Stanley Parable and sharing that with people, that's the sort of game that wouldn't have existed 10 years ago really yep. kind of exists in the wake of stuff like portal you know um well actually i don't know when the static parable mod was created but portal was 2007 so anyway like but what i mean is that kind of game feels like a relatively new thing and yeah uh, edith finch uh, yeah like you say like three or four hours and utterly surprises you in so many different ways yeah. um okay great uh, last question of the day uh, is uh, you're about to fight the final boss in your life the harbinger of all your struggles up to now, what cliche line do they smash you with? That's from an angry barnacle. 
God, that's so bleak. <laughs> um, they'll ask it. me who do you want to give your zero it's <laughs> exactly what I was about to say it feels like it's tied to that <laughs> wow you really oh, that, that really came full circle that one that was like a Larry David plot it really really paid off um, how, about, how about you Joe can you repeat the question yes sure um, well you're about to fight the final boss in your life the harbinger of all your struggles up to now what cliche line do they smash you with kick punch chop it's all in the mind <laughs> We're not so different, you and I. <laughs> okay, for me then, I guess it would be Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus are the same person. <laughs> no! <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that seems like a good point to end it with. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us and ask, uh, ask us some more deeply meaningful questions like that one, you can do so through our Discord channel, um, which you can access if you're a member of the PC Gamer Club, but many people are already in there and we welcome your questions. You can also tweet them to PC Gamer Pod and you can email them to us at letters at pcgamer.com. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be much appreciated. That always helps more people find the podcast and feeds us more questions. I guess there's no real personal benefit in it for you, but you know, we also like to read what you think, so um, it'd be much appreciated. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Oh.